live in Summerlin. It's Cofield and Company from the Rampart Race and Sportsbook. Here we go. Five o'clock hour, Rampart Race and Sportsbook. Jeff's helping out. Willie's here. Willie Ramirez from the AP. It's Cofield. We do have UNLV football tickets available for the opener. So uh, anyone who stops by, we can give you tickets. We uh, talked to a listener, Jen, a little earlier. She grabbed a T-shirt. Surprisingly, shockingly, Willie, a major fan of Adam Hill. That was weird, wasn't it? She uh, she mentioned him she did without mention much uh, provocation. I was shocked. Yeah, no, she and she brought it up all on her own. I mean, we we're you know, hey, thank you so on so far. She got a T-shirt. She and all know she said she's a big fan of Adam. I was blown Hill. away. Well, that must be the one. I was going to take a picture with her, and I'm like, eh, forget it. Uh, that's I'm kidding. That was a joke. I actually. My old man kicked in, and I forgot to get a picture. So, well, it's a nice lady. She said that she was I, effusive in her praise of the show. She did say that I took the T-shirt back, but anyway, go ahead. <laughs> Poor Adam gets beat up even when he gets a compliment. All right, Big Five time. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five, number five. NHL's closer than you think. It's coming, man. It's, right it's coming. And I thought there was a real interesting story today. Well, you found it uh, up on uh, Yahoo talking about free agency, which is kind of weird because a lot of the players have signed already. Yeah. Um, but Alec Martinez is on the list. And, you know, Martinez, we debated about the value of Alec Martinez and, you know, what that meant in sending away Marc-Andre Fleury for virtually nothing, which is still, I, I think, very disappointing. But on this list, they had Alec Martinez as the uh, – fourth best or fourth most impactful yep. free agent available. He got a three-year deal for just under $16 million, and there are guys on this Yahoo most impactful free agent list around the NHL who got a lot more money, who, fo- who again, who followed Martinez in the rankings. Right, and and they, I think this was list must have, the way it reads, it, it must have come out prior to when, when free agency opened, and then right. this is an update because at the end of each listing it says where he went and it says obviously stayed for three years 15.75 million so i think what they get in alex martinez 34 years old is that they get that experience they get that grit and you know they get that stanley cup experience let's not let's not forget he's got a couple of rings and you know so i i think that they like that hard nose you know that old school sort of grind that martinez brought and i think with what they invested in him a little over five million per year they feel that they're going to get more life out of him um, in, in what it would be worth to, to, for the one year with, with Flurry. Um, in, in essence, that's what, you know, that, that transpired in days around one another. They signed, they signed Martinez. They trade Flurry. It, it seems to be that that's what they got out of it more than anything, especially for the fact that, you know, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, the player that they got is, 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 is not with the Golden Knights. So, um, but up. I – if you ask me if I think that he's worth the investment, um, from what we've seen from him, especially, you know, the um, – I can't even think off the top of my head what they, what they were calling him, and he said he didn't like that nickname. He doesn't like any nicknames. He's just doing his job as far as blocking shots. He's not up for nicknames and, and little uh, monikers, if you will. So, I mean, Alec Martinez has proven to be a viable asset. And if anything, with the young defensemen that they have, what he is is a great mentor – on that team and on that unit, um, you know, with the, with the blue liner. So I, I think it's worth what they got. 
Um, some will argue that they don't want Flurry, but I brought this up last week for those that were so temperamental over the Flurry video that surfaced about him flashing the leather in a, in a little workout with the Blackhawks. Is uh, let's not forget that the main reason that you're big time fans is you want to win the Stanley Cup. And in four years, four playoff runs, one to the Stanley Cup, one where you're up three games to one on the Sharks, and one where you really had the momentum against the Canadians. Flurry was in goal, and they lost. So. Number four. Uh, you and I were speculating about what the line could be for Eastern Washington and UNLV. We were talking about actually after the Marcus Aurora radio show last night with uh, the aforementioned Adam Hill and previous guests. Caleb Herring, and some of the weird – I thought it was weird. Some of the offshore numbers that were being posted, not officially posted, but the look was like 9.5, 11, UNLV favorite, and we're all like, I, I don't think it's going to be that high, man. This is a good Eastern Washington team. They've also got this weird scenario where they played in the spring. So right. you could look at that as an advantage. You could look at it as a disadvantage if they had a lot of injuries. But I, I think it's going to help them, especially based on the fact that UNLV didn't get in all of their games last year. It was a very disjointed season. Uh Earlier in the week, the press box had Aaron Best on. He's the head coach of Eastern Washington, and uh, he talked about his team, and he, specifically his quarterback, Eric Barry, is a really good, uh, a potentially national award-winning quarterback with a lot of experience. As far as our quarterback's concerned, obviously, Tate doesn't lie. He plays a lot louder on the football field than he is as a person. He's a, he's a quiet-natured guy, a uh, huge smile, great vibe. Uh, he's a competitor. Uh, more so than you would think, and uh, we like him that way. Eric's done a great job coming from coming out of high school, 16, redshirting, and just every year got better. Every Wednesday, we did it on a Tuesday night, Marcus Arroyo Radio Show goes down. It's at Parkway Tavern. This coming week, it's at the Flamingo and 215 location. Uh, yesterday, we were down by the M. There's a brand-new Parkway Tavern location on Volunteer right off of LV Boulevard, um, if you're looking at the M, to the right. Anyway. Uh, the conversation with Caleb Herring and Marcus Arroyo sometimes is it's it, well, it's fascinating all the time, but it's like next level because they're both quarterbacks and they're like super cerebral dudes. So listen to the connection here is Caleb was talking about the beginning of the season and some of the stuff you stress going into a week one game. Tackling, tackling, tackling week one. Some of the things that get preached, but especially against a guy like like Eric Berry uh, with the with this Eastern Washington team coming in. How big has tackling been? Um, as far as what you're preaching to the defense. He happens to be the guy we're playing, but it's been a, a huge deal overall in your program. That's especially at the beginning, se- at the early parts of a season. I went, you probably, you must have been in the team meeting because the team meeting last week was full of week zero highlights where I'm showing guys, you know, bumper car off tackles and step in the end zone on a kick return and oh, botch a punt return block and botch a catch. But they're all week one deals. And the, and the reality, we show that for that. And, and Eric is going to present that as, as a tackling and containment and near hip, near shoulder. All the, all the, all the fundamental stuff is going to come into play. And it always does. And early in the season, you find out right away who was able to be more deliberate in practice with it. It's going to be big. Tackling is sloppy in week one, and I'm telling you, the edges now, now that the Rebels are in a 3-4 and they've been trying to build up the outside in terms of the linebackers and you know defensive ends like Adam Plant, they gotta they got to hold the edge against a guy who can run. Like if they screw up and he gets outside, they're in trouble. And one of the things you brought up that I think will play in Eastern Washington's uh, favor is that they played spring ball. Yes, this is the first year that Marcus Arroyo has had an actual spring ball came into the summer they've been able to do in-person workouts and training so on and so forth but um in having that action since 
dealing with the pandemic season, it could benefit because one of the things that also came from that interview on the press box, I was listening to that, is the excitement for a team like that to come here and play in a stadium like that. It may not experience in that, you know, and you're, in the sense, it's not on the Las Vegas Strip, but I mean, you look out those doors, those landing doors, and you see the Strip. These guys, you talk about sloppy tackling, not sure that Eastern Washington is going to be all that sloppy. They're going to come in crisp. This is a big game for them, be it UNLV, whatever you want to call it, ranking them in the lower, you know, in the hundreds in terms of offense, defense, and overall power rating. Regardless, it's a Division One team. It's in Las Vegas. I'm not sure how sloppy Eastern Washington is going to be. So, you know, I trust that the Royals bringing his team prepared. I trust that they're going to be fired up for this season opener. I trust that with the fans in the stands are going to be great. But Eastern Washington is going to bring the, you know, the guns are going to be blazing. I'm not sure how sloppy it's going to be. UNLV is favored three, two and a half at most spots around town. Here's a little more Marcus Arroyo on the biggest story going into the season, and that's the quarterbacks. you got two quarterbacks in Doug Brumfield and Justin Rogers. Uh, he talks about his quarterbacks, and then watch what happens here. When he starts getting on a roll because he's a former quarterback and he starts talking offense, it is like cornholio, man. Like, it's impressive stuff. He starts firing out all the different things QBs have to do. Both guys have, have uh, demonstrated the ability to move the football to understand what we want to do on offense. Some have had good, better days than others. Doug had a couple days out with a little ankle, which, you know, that always hurts. People don't understand that getting four days out of a training camp out of 20 is a lot. It's a lot of percentage. You know, I mean, there's there's upwards to, you know, three to 400 snaps missed. And, and that's a lot of reps when, when you're just doing it for the first time. You know, this week, is, they've done a good job. We've, we've, pressured them down, we've pressured them down pretty good. We've asked a lot of them. I've been really scrupulous in regards to watching exactly who can move the football, what they're doing, who's playing catch, who's most accurate, who understands situational football, who can be the best and give us the, you know, a little bit of mobility if necessary, who's throwing the ball on time, who's got a chemistry with the wideouts, who understands the protection plans, who understands the checks. I could go on. But uh, <laughs> at that point, my head was spinning. I'm like, my God. And that's what you want. I mean, that's, you know, it, I've been very critical, and, and you know this, since last year about Marcus Arroyo, but it has not been about his coaching ability. It has not been about his offensive knowledge. It has not been about what he can do. It's just more or less about how he came in and addressed the media and dealt with the media and, and, and sort of handled it. But he was under a lot of pressure, you know, in, 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 in what we were all dealing with in the pandemic and in, in, in a new city, a new town, a lot of expectations and Allegiant Stadium and no fans and, and taking over a program like UNLV. If there's one thing that Marcus Arroyo knows about, it is the game of football and it is offense and it is quarterback. So whoever it is that's stepping out on the field to take those first snaps, it that, that dude – is is going to be ready, and if he's not, Arroyo's going to he's going to take it. He's going to take the responsibility upon himself because if that's one position that he's going to take credit in knowing as the you know as a, especially coming from Oregon, it's going to be the quarterback. Number three, being a college coach different than being an NFL coach, and especially when it comes to rules. And these are weird times. You just talked about COVID last year, and you know difficulties coaches had dealing with that. It's something they never faced before. Urban Meyer doesn't doesn't understand NFL speak, and he got in hot water yesterday by saying, "Hey, you know what? Uh, vaccine status actually, you know, was a consideration when we talked about cutting and keeping players." Oh, right. The NFLPA flips out. You understand what he's what he said, but we also understand the NFLPA has to flip out yeah. because whatever they believe internally, they've got to represent all players, vaxxed and unvaxxed. Well, and, and I think 
you know, we've talked about this. Uh, I think we talked about it last week, and Adam and I just is, is Urban Meyer has always walked a different, you know, a different path than anybody else because he's always thought he was above everything. Willie, right? these these college coaches are as powerful as the governor of the state. Right. The media doesn't step up. No. Around these power around these power programs no. very often. And by the way, it's also why there's been some really gross situations. Yes. Because you know you just get intoxicated with power. It's a different deal here. Your players can call you on it, call you out on it. Former players can. You've got to listen to – there's no union for the players in college football. So it's a whole different deal now for Urban Meyer. Uh, But anyone out there who doesn't believe that at least six, eight, ten teams were considering whether it was VAC status or simply availability and the risk at hand when they were making cuts, you're crazy. It's a factor. And and – Here's the thing: is in the pros, you know, there's not much you can. If, if they choose not to, you can have your team rules all you want. But the bottom line is, these guys are going to, unless they come out and stipulate, "Hey, I'm am anti-vax or I'm not going to get the vaccination, but I will follow every protocol said." If you're not, if you're just out there sort of being nonchalant, then obviously you're going to come and go and do as you want, even if you have to follow the rules of a mask going in. But you don't know where these guys are going. When they leave the practice facility, you don't know where they're going on the road. They have to follow certain rules. But Urban Meyer, he's always, like I said, he, he, he's, he's, he, he's certainly no Teflon Don in the NFL. Number two. Big deal for the Raiders the last couple of days. You know, who's in, who's out. I'm going to get to that inside of five minutes. Also a big deal with what happened to Cam Newton. I think he's going to get a job somewhere if he's going to be open to being a backup. And the other thing is maybe there is a discussion to be had about his VAC status because there may be only a few teams who are like, bruh, you're coming in as the backup. We're risking a lot here, man. If you if you get COVID, if there's a contact situation, you could take down the starting quarterback and you could also not be available. Right. However this works out, if he can land somewhere, where would you like to see him land? Well, the first thought I was, uh, you know, I can see the Falcons at some point moving on from Matt Ryan and Cam Newton is from Atlanta. So it wouldn't surprise me to see him come in there. Um, so you bring him in as like a a bridge. Maybe he's around next season. Maybe he's, maybe if needed, he's there this season. Well, at this point, you know, yeah. Ryan he, goes down, but he's, yeah. a, he's, a, he's a bridge. I mean, I, I could see, this is going to sound weird. Uh, if he wants to play, uh, this is an old name, but he essentially could be like, the Steve DeBerg of 2022 and 23 where yeah. like, bro, you're going to, you know, it happened to Fitzy, right? Yeah. Where you're going to be the guy, Tyrod Taylor, you're going to be the guy, but if things work out quickly with our new quarterback, then you could be out quickly. Well, and, and I think people have to come to realize, I mean, there's a lot of Cam Newton fans out there. There's a lot of Cam Newton believers and I get it, but let's not forget that do that shoulder surgery. There's no guarantees. I mean, one pop, you know, there's there, we just, he's not as strong as he used to be. Um, to you know, to make that throw, um, even you know, off balance across his body. Another place I wouldn't mind seeing, and it's come up obviously. I, I threw a poll out there real quick when it when he was released, and then I wasn't even thinking. And a, and a local mom of a, a high school student said, "Hey, let me do a write in and, and mention the Houston Texans with what they're going through. Obviously, he, he could fit in that system, and that would be kind of interesting from from a personal standpoint and from a local level. It'd be kind of interesting to see if he went in there and got some playing time with Brevin Jordan. I don't see him, Brevin Jordan. Alone. I don't see him going there because I don't think they want to win. I think Tyrod Taylor is there to be 
you know, a placeholder, and then they're going to turn to a younger Passy. guy for the second half. They're, yeah. they're already trading away players. Um, what's wrong with him being a three- or four-year backup from here, and if he plays, he plays? Why not just, Why not go to the Cowboys? He if be, they want him, their, their backup situation, I'm sorry, Cooper Rush, that's ridiculous. Yes. They just added uh, freaking, what, Will Greer? Be the backup to Dak. Hopefully Dak is healthy. He doesn't have to play. And, you know, make a career being a three-year backup. Well, the thing is with Dallas is it's it, there's they're still – I mean, Dak's younger, but this, there's still a question mark on his health and, and how – and if he can get through a uh, 17-game season. And so, they're a team so, of so, now. Yeah. They need yeah, someone who right can play now, now not right. freaking Cooper Rush. Right. And, and, and you know, and I think that the, you brought it up, the VAC situation – is a big deal right now, and, and, and that's that's sort of lingering over his head. The one team that, that I brought up earlier when we were talking to Brian that I think would be fun, obviously, is Miami and them opening night against me and then having to face New England twice. Number one. So the Raiders bring back a bunch of guys. They, uh, they rolled the dice, making sure or hoping that guys weren't picked up on waivers. They get back both of their preseason running backs that they were interested in, Trey Regis and B.J. Emmons. Lester Cotton is back. Uh, is Dylan Stoner the biggest name? The riskiest guy that they put out there for a day is that to you is that the biggest addition today to the practice squad? Uh, only because of how well he looked in the preseason games and and, def- and definitely just the scrappiness that he showed during training camp. They also they left yesterday with what five wide receivers on the entire roster on the fifty three man roster. Yeah. So like they, you know, they got to make sure they have some wide receiver depth. Well, and, and that was a big question. Was it going to be five or six? And that was the choice that they made. I mean, DJ Turner and Dylan Stoner onto the practice squad. Interesting name that popped up, that um, Robert Jackson, former UNLV player uh, with three years' experience, um, cornerback. So he they signed him to the practice squad. And also Jeremiah Putasi from Desert Pines High School. So a couple of local names get signed to the practice squad. Of course, Putasi was brought in a few weeks ago. Um didn't make the cut, but brought back for the practice squad. And I think that, uh, you know, Emmons and Regis both, I mean, I I know Adam was, was you know, had sort of written about it that he thought one had beaten the other and Regis had had maybe a better showing, but they both ended up on the chopping block, but now they're back. So I think that they're happy with who they were able to bring back as a whole. Um, and I think that running backs room, um, considering – that they're, that they're going to turn to the run a little bit more and and to, to move the chains and to to drive the offense and then have Carr going up top and that the fact that they kept five receivers I you know I think that they 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 got some good depth there with the practice squad and keeping who they got some real interesting stories to follow with the roster moves coming back we'll get to Gerald McCoy we'll get to Jalen Richard and really the, the intriguing one for locals too is Javen White it's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. Wait a second, Pat. That's that's Trillian Harris. That's a that's a quarterback for Bishop Sycamore. Sure is. He's going to punt, Pat. Blocked by IMG Academy. Pat, you remember watching Randall Cunningham punt? Yep. This was nothing like that. Coalfield and Company is live at the Rampart Race and Sportsbook. I cannot remember on the show who likes Caliendo, who doesn't. I like him. I think he's funny. I think Willie likes him. That was Caliendo doing both Pat Summerall and Madden. More Bishop Sycamore material. It, it, does, it just does not end uh, as they were calling a highlight of that weird game the other day and 
You know, the funny thing is on that blocked punt, I think the QB just punted it right into the up man. It wasn't even a block. Like, it was just they were they were so bad. They were so ill-equipped to play IMG. It was a mess. So, Willie, I know, you know, you love covering the stories around sports, right? It doesn't have to be hardcore stuff. And right. to me, some of the, the great stories to follow with the Raiders and what happened yesterday with the roster, one, the fact that Gerald McCoy made it. I mean, Gerald McCoy six weeks ago was like, Am I going to play again? Yeah. This guy's like one of the best players of the decade. And then all of a sudden, he may be out of the NFL. He's not an old man, but he said uh, on Twitter, he said, man, what a blessing it is to be back on an NFL roster. I never take any opportunity for granted. It's always a privilege, not a right to be in this league. It could have been so many other guys around this league, but God bless me. I am beyond grateful. I think that's a cool story. By the way, he's now number 93. So they they switched the numbers, right? Denzel Perriman's official, former Charger and Panther. Uh, he's 52, and Quentin Jefferson switched to 77. Gerald McCoy has been a media room favorite. It's not as if he's in there all the time, but the first time we got to speak to him and then and then after the game the other day, um, he's he's just very um, – it's – that tweet is very him. He's very, uh, you know, he is very thankful. And he, he talked about, you know, wondering if he was ever going to play again the first time we got to talk to him out at the facility, the practice facility. And, um, you know, he's, I, it's, it's, it's a weird dynamic where when I use the word that he's humbled, it, it's not humbled as if he was put in his place. It's just that reality of where he's at in his career and then getting that second chance. But with that second chance, what he wants to do with it, whether that be to step into a role on the field and make a specific play, whether that be to be a mentor to the younger defensive lineman, whether that be just to to the younger defenseman altogether, no matter who you're talking about, whether it be, you know, someone in the secondary, whether it be a linebacker, whether um, it's, it's the experience of, of what he brings to the team in his experience from you know his years as a pro bowler um, playing down in Tampa Bay I mean even Gruden raved about him when he when he wasn't coaching and, and he was you know from the area and watching him um, so he's a very interesting dynamic because of the role that he's going to have on this team and I've said this before um, in terms of the two most uh, two of the most play, two of the two of the two of the players with the biggest impacts can have on this team are going to be Richie Incognito on one side of the ball and McCoy on the other, based on what they can provide as mentors. Because this is really, if you look at each unit, offensive line, defensive line, linebacking crew, run back, running back, whatever it may be, there's somewhere around there's a veteran with a bunch of youth. And it's it's it, that role is going to be so important in how this team progresses throughout the season. And McCoy is a big, big part of that. Raiders open on a Monday night. That's uh, September 13th. And our Monday night football home is going to be uh, in Vegas's favorite man cave, Twin Peaks in Henderson. You can join us for that first Monday night football game when the uh, Ravens take on the Raiders. We'll be live starting at 2 o'clock. you got great happy hour specials like a buck off uh, most of the drinks, including the freezing cold 29-degree draft brews. Also select appetizers on special for 2 4 and 6 bucks every Monday, but especially Monday Night Football, the opener on the 13th of September. Got the big game going down at Twin Peaks on Eastern. Up next, we'll get more preview of the UNLV Eastern Washington game. The guy on the call of the game doing the uh, color analyst uh, job on TV is Max Brown. Very interesting story. A top-rated quarterback who bounced around a lot of different major college football programs. He'll give us his take on quarterbacking in college football. 
Cofield and Company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. Both done a fantastic job in camp. If one guy gets a hot hand, that's ideal, you know? Um, there's no real rotation set like there was uh, at some point when you might do it and you, you plan on it. Um, we're going to see if one guy can go out there and go by the time we get the kickoff and, and we'll play it by ear. Lean in one way or the other? Nah, if I told you, I'd screw it up. <laughs> Hanging at the Rampart Race and Sportsbook, it's Gofield and Company. Yeah, that was the voice of Marcus Royale. He's not kidding there about screwing it up. He uh, he confirmed last night during the coaches show to us that, yeah, that's the element of surprise is part of the plan going in uh, so that Eastern Washington can't prep for one guy. You got one lefty, you got one righty. They have slightly different skill sets. Let's talk about this game tomorrow, UNLV and Eastern Washington. Max Brown is calling the game. Max knows a lot about quarterbacking. Max knows a lot about battling as a quarterback. Max, how you doing? It's Stephen Willie here in Vegas. I do, Max. Steve, really? I'm doing great. I wish I didn't know so much about QB battles, but uh, that's certainly right up my alley. Well, it, it's you know it's interesting because fans get a certain expectation based on rankings that this guy or that guy is going to win the job, and you know winning quarterback jobs and retaining quarterback jobs is that really has nothing to do with your resume. That's very true. Yeah, no, and I can uh, relate to that. Battled with uh, Sam Donald all throughout my college career. Cody Kessler as well. Both guys that started the NFL. Ben DiNucci when I was at Pittsburgh, too. So, well-versed in that. Uh, the former uh, Cowboys uh, deal. So, totally with Coach Arroyo, I, I can totally relate to waiting to the last minute to show your hand. It feels like maybe both these quarterbacks are going to play. I know the, the Tate Martell name is, is front of mind for a lot of Vegas fans as well. He's been in the mix a little bit, too. So, as as much of a battle as any QB battle uh, can get, it feels like. So, you know, the funny thing is the, the UNLV quarterback battle is interesting, but the, the quarterback in this game to watch is actually on the FCS team. This kid at Eastern Washington is really good. He's elite. He is elite, and he's one of the best college quarterbacks in the country, and there's no reason to hedge it saying FCS, FBS. You don't even need to go that far. This dude's elite, and we talked with the Eastern Washington coaches this week, and they basically said, hey, you look at the past 20 years of Eastern Washington football, every multi-year starter they've had has been an All-American, and Eric Berrier is no different. You know, Walter Payton, candidate, runner-up last year. This dude's put up a lot of numbers, and the one thing I, I can respect with this offensive staff is they have no problem tossing the ball to their quarterback and saying, hey, Go throw it 50 times a game. Go win us the ball game. And uh, I have a feeling that will be their mentality tomorrow as well. Max, when you look up and down Eastern Washington's schedule, you know, there's uh, obviously in, in the, um, you know, you got the Western Illinois, the Central Washingtons, the Southern Utahs. I mean, the Idaho game, I'm assuming, is always a big game. Um, Weber State. But the Division One game, the, the, the big game, you know, for this team, being able to come down and play, on paper you look at it and say, okay, the UNLV Rebels, um, what has that program done in the last 20 years? But at the same token, getting to play in a stadium like Allegiant and getting to play against a school that's known as, you know, from Las Vegas – the mentality that this team has coming in, even though it's the season opener, um, how sharp will this? Can we expect Eastern Washington? And how, you know, how serious? I don't want to use the word serious because every team is taking a game serious, especially the season opener. But you know, how big is this trip for this team? 
Yeah, I think it's big with respect to obviously the new stadium and the, and a little bit of the shock factor that'll happen with the Legion Stadium. I definitely think there's some some truth to that. But here's two things I know about the Eastern program. In, in relatively recent memory, they have beaten Washington State and Oregon State within the past five years or so. So this is a program that a lot of these guys have chips on their shoulder. I mean, they're they're the next fringe down from getting a Mountain West offer or things of that nature. And uh, I think the second factor that a lot of fans might overlook is in FCS football, they had a spring season, but they were playing real-life football games only five months ago when, as we all know, UNLV was uh, about a year ago. And obviously that was weird with the cancellations and whatnot. So uh, as Coach Arroyo told us, told us today, he said Eastern's coming in warm because they haven't had that long of a layoff. And so uh, it'll be interesting to see how that works because there's certainly some – you know, fatigue factor a little bit there and how healthy are they. But on the other side of the token, are they a well-oiled machine more so than other teams that have had a longer layoff? Former USC and Pittsburgh quarterback Max Brown is with us. He's on the call of the game tomorrow at Allegiant Stadium. All right, let's let's talk week one. I mean, we had a week zero last week, but game one. In general, who do you think has the advantage? Is it the offense or the defense? In general, I'll go defense. It's easier really? just to fly around when you're a defensive football team. More logistics stuff you got to get ironed out, especially at the college level with the offensive football. So I'll go defense. Um, I'll go both sides of that, too. I think we, we talked about it this morning with the coaches, both sides. Starting fast is always kind of a cliche in football, but it really feels like in week one football, if you can start fast and then eliminate the catastrophic mistakes, that's, that goes a long way in winning football week one. Max, and we talked about the, you know, obviously Eastern Washington developing talent at quarterback and the big name, but this is a program that's led on that in the trenches. All-America tackle uh, Tristan Taylor, that offensive line, if I'm not mistaken, returns all five starters. So it really starts up front. You talk about the defense having the advantage, but this offense, it's not just about the quarterback. It's a very uh, well-oiled machine with a lot of experience on that line. Yeah, and Eastern's head coach, Aaron Best, he was their former offensive line coach for years. They call him an E-Woo lifer. He played there, lived there, coached there for the past 20 years, it feels like. Uh, and so he's an offensive line first type of guy. And uh, I, I reference the fact that they had no problem. They averaged 42 pass attempts a game in the spring season. Uh, I think he wants that to be much lower. He wants to run the rock, and they like this offensive line. Like you said, all five guys coming back, their left tackle – has a chance to be the first four-time um, Big Sky first-team player, uh, first-team uh, first team, uh, award, I should say. And I'm stumbling because it's uh, a unique setup. He's on his sixth year with COVID and whatnot. But uh, it's a strong offensive line. They like that group. Um, they do struggle to run the ball a little bit this year, though, or in, in the spring season. So that is one thing. If UNLV has a great running back, Eastern, eh, they're still trying to find their way in that regard. So, that's certainly something to keep your eye on to, uh, tomorrow. Max Brown with us. I wanted to get your take on the, the Martell story, and nothing you know, specific-wise, but from your experience, this is really interesting. You know, you, you know like you, uh, he was a top-five, top-ten quarterback coming out of high school. You, know, you decide to go somewhere, and it doesn't mean you're given the job. The competition's going to be intense. You mentioned Sam Darnold, Cody Kessler. You wind up having Danucci around you at uh, Pittsburgh. And there are a lot of people here in Vegas and around the country who are like, how can Tate Martell not be the quarterback right away at UNLV? There is a process to winning these jobs. So I just want you to talk about going in and battling and maybe what Martell is going through. And, by the way, he did have a thumb injury, had thumb surgery, so he wasn't 100% at the beginning of camp. But 
it's not always as easy as just walking in and going, hey, you know what, I'm a highly touted guy, give me the job. No, you hit the nail on the head. And uh, I used to train with Tate back in Los Angeles when I was at USC, and he was a middle schooler at the time. We had the same quarterback coach. So I've been able to follow his journey from afar. And uh, Tate was really kind of one of one in many respects, having get, getting that offer from UW, I believe it was, as a seventh grader. So the spot on him was uh, the spotlight on him was was there early, and with that comes the expectations and the pressure and. Uh, from my vantage point or from my experience, I just know it was different being a five-star guy walking into a locker room because you're expected to play right away and in many respects be the savior of a program or lead a program. And while, you're, while your peers kind of get that uh, few years to get their feet wet and kind of simulate to college, if you're a top guy with, with the hype, you're expected to play right away. And with that can come some, some pre- pressure and anxiety. And as we saw with Tate, you kind of find yourself moving from school to school and maybe not able to, to truly find your fitting because uh, there's there's such a high urgency to play right away. But either way, it feels like uh, Tate has found a good spot at UNLV back home with a unique, unique opportunity to do some quarterback, do some athlete stuff, and hopefully he can get healthy and uh, play, uh, play a significant role for the Rebels this year. Yeah, I think he's got a chance to play once he's healthy, once he gets the system down. Uh, he's playing for a guy who played quarterback at San Jose State, so – uh, he'll be trained up. Um, here's what's crazy. You just talk about, you know, you're a former five-star. Tate Martell's a five-star. Think about this now, Max. If you're going to USC and all of a sudden they're like, yeah, you got a, a $1.2 million deal for the next three years. Now you're like, holy crap, I better get on the field. This story about this kid, Quinn Ewers, at Ohio State who just reclassified, C.J. Stroud's a starter. I, like, I can't even imagine what's going through an 18- or 19-year-old's head you know, trying to win the job, having the pressure. Now you're like, I got to deliver for my freaking client. It's so true. No, it's it's ridiculous. That story, I think, and uh, with LOI at large, I think we're only at the tip of the iceberg. I know. I mean, I've seen Pitts quarterback getting free food from a restaurant for him and his entire offensive line. I saw the the BYU story of all the walk-ons getting their their schooling paid for, and then obviously. With Quinn over at Ohio State, that number of 1.3, 1.4 million for trading cards. I mean, you would have told Max Brown that back uh, a decade ago as a high school recruit. I would have reclassified too. That's that's real funny right there. And uh, I'm I'm happy for those guys because I think there is a value in that recruiting. I mean, we're seeing all the all these coaches get paid lots and lots of money, and it's on the back of landing guys like uh, like Quinn. And so I'm excited for what the future holds. But man, alive, that's a lot of dough and. He, uh, hopefully he doesn't come down the strip and blow it all uh, in one evening. Uh, going back to the game, we'll close on this. What do you think is going to happen with UNLV and Eastern Washington? We have a, a super high-scoring game. Can Eastern Washington pull off the upset? What do you think happens? I think it's going to be a very tight game. I think it's going to be a great college football game. I think it's going to be sneaky high-scoring. Uh, I have confidence that, the U, confidence that the UNLV offense will take a step this year. Um, but I'll go with the Rebs. I like the Rebs only because of uh, the increased depth that all the uh, coaches keep alluding to, both on the defensive line, linebacker position, and uh, I'm fascinated, just like all of us, as to who takes the uh, the first snap behind center for the Rebels. Max, real good, man. Real good stuff. We're looking forward to watching you on TV tomorrow. Thank you. Thanks, Max. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. So you may not know the name, but Max Brown, and we'll send out, I have a uh, – I have a feature that I was reading from you know, back like three years ago. He, this kid, Max Brown, was a gigantic star in Washington. And, like, 
Willie offered by everyone. He landed at USC, and then all of a sudden he looks up, and it's like Cody Kessler's really good, and then Darnold comes in. Then he moves on to Pittsburgh. He's playing, and he freaking dislocates his shoulder. Sling, done. Danucci takes over, goes on to the NFL. Max tried a couple spots, you know, in the NFL, trying out, and he just he didn't make it. But it's in a lot of ways, now, size-wise, he's like the prototypical guy. This kid's 6'5", and... I keep calling him kid. He's like 26, but he's you know 6'5 and 230 pounds. Uh, Martell's the small, you know, smaller guy, but same kind of story, man. And and the the college football landscape is littered with uber prospects, five star guys. Sometimes it doesn't work out. You know what I didn't get to ask him is I see he didn't he didn't play at Pitt because of an injury. I do wonder often with the five stars if it doesn't work out somewhere and you move after two years. Is it wise to immediately move to another Power Five, or is it a better bet to go? You know what? Let me go to Group of Five. Let me actually. Ass- Here's another one. I always wonder. Actually, assess what the quarterback room is in terms of where you're going. Right? Yeah. Don't just assume you're going to go in there. Uh, you know, I'm a big name. I'm going to win the job because most programs have guys, experienced guys. The quarterback job is not easy to win anywhere. Well, I think that's why it's important beyond the media, beyond the recruiters, beyond the coaches. The first person that has to ignore those little stars on all those little recruiting pages and high school pages, the first person that needs to ignore those are the player, is the player himself or herself in whatever sport we're talking about. Because the reality is, those stars don't matter. Once you're there, once you're there, once you're there, it doesn't. Because they go out the window. Really, I've had so many people ask me about Martell. You know, I've been out of practice as I'm watching. We don't get to watch all the practice, but I'm watching drills. I can, you can kind of figure out who the ones and the twos are. Then you see guys in the order that are kind of going through the drills. And, like, UNLV's got some really good three-star and a couple of four-star recruits, um, and that doesn't mean that they get to play right away. Like, Nick Demetrius was the highest-rated guy in the class last year. He looks the part right. of a, you know, a mega defensive lineman who will he, – he could be really good, with, you know, from his measurable standpoint. But – He's got to prove himself, right? And I, I think he can get in a rotation hopefully later this year. But we, we saw guys come in last year, and the COVID affected it. But we saw some three- and four-stars come in last year and Brennan Scott and LaShawn Bell, and they just never played. They just they, they didn't think they were ready. And But I will tell you, this year, Bell's playing, and I think Scott will be in the rotation. Well, you look at that Gorman lineage. I mean, Tate Martell, National Player of the Year, three-time national champion, right? And he's traipsed around the United States, and now he's back in UNLV. Dorian Thompson Robinson bided his time as a wide receiver, was the backup, didn't play, didn't start till his senior year, and he's getting ready to start, or he did start last week and had a game against Hawaii. He's getting ready to play against LSU, and he's playing for UCLA and Chip Kelly, and he's just, you know, humble and doing his thing. So I mean, DTR wasn't wasn't as highly touted as as a. I mean, he was one of the top three uh, dual threat quarterbacks. He was in the same class as Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence. Went up to that Elite Eleven competition in Beaverton, Oregon. But you know, it's 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 all about how you carry yourself and the mentality that you take out of you know what you can do, not what the stars say, and not who you are, and not the stature that you're walking upon. It's it's about you stepping on that campus and doing what you need to do. And, and putting putting your best foot forward. Cofield and Company live on the road, Rampart Racing Sportsbook. The Monday Night Football Party start here with game number one on September 13th. You can earn tickets for uh, giveaways, swag, and other prizes each week for every $20 wager in the race and sportsbook. The show never ends. Watch the Cofield and Company late night pod tonight at 9 o'clock on YouTube or at Steve Cofield on Twitter. 
Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. You know, it's funny. When Willie's on, it's like fat pack for three hours. All we talk about is food on the air and off. And uh, you're asking me about food. Actually, you're asking me about pizza in New Jersey because I went back to my home state last week. And I was just telling you during the break, one of the things I didn't get enough of, trying not to go full El Slabo, was uh, getting subs and hoagies, right? There's good places out here. Like this place right here, Clubhouse Deli at Rampart, is really good. Their Italian sub is freaking awesome. Uh, but you know, you, you told me you were here what two weeks ago doing the show, and you're like, last "This week, is yeah. this is a last week. This is a good New yeah. York style deli." Yeah, I walked in um, before Adam Hill and I started, and and um, went to grab a drink. And man, just the ambiance and the smell alone, whatever they were making at the time, uh, might have been a, an Italian or it might have been a pastrami, whatever. But and then you and you see all the pastries. And it just reminds you immediately of a, of a New York style deli. It's incredible. It's a, it's fantastic. And you know what it reminds me of is. Um, just some of the old school sports books in Las Vegas, where you had a deli part to be part of it. Yeah, and I remember some of the I mean, everywhere back, back in the day with pay phones and runners were yeah. moving all over. So, I mean, if you want a feel of old Vegas, this is a fantastic spot because the deli is in a sense it's right here. You could order it, come back to your seat, go pick up your sandwich, come right back. Spacious, it's it's fantastic. Yeah, the only sub I wound up getting was actually in South Jersey. It was from a place that's out of Philly, and it's a chain now. It's got like 95 locations, but it's called Primo's, Primo Hoagies. Mm. And, uh, but I went with more of the Philly style. They've got a pork sandwich there with uh, some sharp provolone. I got to get on the sharp provolone got with the you. slicer. You I don't know what I'm doing. I'm getting regular pro. I forgot about sharp provolone. It was unbelievable. Yeah, you got It's got to be. You got to. Always got to get the stinky provolone. There's only a few delis. You say that all the time, and I forgot. Yeah, yeah got Oh, it was stinky. and It was sharp. It was good. The stinky, dirty, nasty, filthy provolone's the best. Man, it was good. By the way, today, get back in the back. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Today is National Burnt Ends Day. Uh, Ari, who won't eat anything, he's missing out on life. Congrats, bro. You're going you're gonna to perish and you've eaten nothing. You've tried nothing. Uh, burnt ends. Not my first choice, but I'm, I'm, of course I'm going to eat them. Yeah. They're good. If, if, I'm going to a, if I'm going to a barbecue joint and it's you know and, and you get like a plate of three or you get whatever, and that's one of the choices, I, I might be throwing that in there. just depend. But I'm not turning it away. No. I am. Of course not. Of course not. Well, you don't eat anything. You're, uh, I'm not even going to badmouth you. Thanks to the Rampart for hosting the show today. Come on down to the Sportsbook redesigned uh, last year. It is fantastic. They've got two great contests, a million-dollar pro football frenzy 